But I just need to, I need to just kind of tell you where I'm at personally and, and trying to make it through this weekend. Uh, Josh and Sherry Zander, who I'll have a picture of them a little later, I want to talk about their lives. Sherry was our office manager here at Timberline for the last many, many years. Josh has been a full-time employee at Timberline for many, many years, overseeing all of our facilities. Josh and Sherry have five kids, and uh, one is with the Lord. But um, it, this past Sunday, a week ago today, at about 4.40 in the afternoon, they were riding their motorcycle down from Estes Park, and a car crossed over the double yellow line and hit them head-on and killed them both instantly. And it has been a... Uh, really, you know, we call this our living room, and um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be as authentic as I can be with this. On Monday, last Monday, we met as a staff. We're all very close to them. They just find a way to get inside your heart. For decades, they've been a part of the DNA embedded into this church, and they've helped us go through everything. And so, it's very difficult to face it. And I knew I was speaking this weekend. You know, when you're in a series, you have the next topic months out. So you can be preparing along the ways. But we call these two weekends um, standalones. And it's where you just speak what God puts on your heart. And so I usually have my outlines turned in by Monday. And I was so mad, first of all, because it, it, we were, were not in a series. And so I had had to pick a topic. And I thought, if I have to pick one today, it's going to just be called... Life sucks and then you die. You know, I mean, I, honestly, I was so mad. I just, I had nothing. I had nothing. And, and I was just, lo- I was just lost. And we got all of our staff together in our youth room and just prayed and cried and had silence and, and just let people share and how we were feeling. And by Tuesday, I was feeling a little better and, and by Wednesday, I thought, well, what would J- Josh and Sherry want? Their life is speaking to us now from the other side. What, how did they live? And I started thinking about you know, what it means to, to make a willful decision about how will I live my life. And as I thought that, I just kind of penciled that down. How will I live? And, and I want to go to the book of Ephesians, and I want to... I want to bring you truth that Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus about how we need to be living. So this really isn't a tribute just to, to Josh and Sherry. It's a, it's a message from my heart in a real uh, sensitive and emotional state to say how I want to live my life. And how I want you to live your life in a way that honors God and in a way that blesses the kingdom of God. Because that's what we want. If it was your funeral tomorrow, what would be said of you? What would be remembered by your family and your friends? Hopefully there's some good in there. There might be some challenges in there. But I want you to just kind of put a mirror up in front of you right now in a pretend way and, and look at yourself and say, how will I live? Because you have a choice. Choices are the big thing right now in our culture. Everybody's fighting for choices. And I'm telling you something. Every choice has a consequence. Right? It's true. Every choice has a consequence. And matter of fact, I, we've had a privilege this week to be with our, one of our grandsons, Tristan. Brent and Eric have been here for a few weeks, and, and he's almost three. And so he is full of life and fire and questions. And, 
And some of you young parents, how many of you kids, how many of you, yeah, you kids have kids, seven or eight or under? Just wave at me. Okay, let's just have prayer right now for you. Um, That's a challenge. I mean, I'm just looking at all this going, wow. Well, choices are like the big thing. You know, when I grew up, my dad said, Deary, take out the trash now. And I said, yes, sir. How many of you grew up more like that? You know, now all these kids have all these choices. It's like, Tristan, do you want to go to bed right now or in five minutes? And he says, in eight minutes. And I say, now or five minutes? He picks five minutes. Do you want to eat five more green beans or three more green beans? My dad just said, eat it. Right? But I love the choice thing. I love it. It's really fun because it empowers these little kids to, to, to make decisions based on what they want to do. And they're having to, you can see the little brains figuring it out. And so I'm really enjoying this. But I know that in our lives, as we walk through life with death, with life, with challenge, we make choices every day about how we will live. And I want to bring clarity to that. Today. And I hope that you'll write some things down. I put a little outline together and I want you to follow along as I do that. The first thing that I want you to write down is when I ask how will I live, it, it poses the thought, you know, I could, I could take the low road. Number one, I could take the low road. How many of you think you know what I mean by the low road? It's the road that's easy. It's the road that's downhill. It's the road that is well-worn. It's the road that everybody else takes. It's the road that doesn't cost you anything. It's the road that requires no discipline in your patterns of life or your thinking. It's, it's just the road that lets you, it lets you coast. And it usually leads you to a place you really don't want to be. A lot of tough stuff happens at the end of the low road. Because you have caved into that flesh and that human nature and that usually doesn't call us to anything good in Ephesians chapter 4 if you have a Bible follow along verse 17 Paul he's writing to Christians he's writing to the church in Ephesus it's a small church but they're brand new believers and they're they have a lot of problems they have a lot of issues in the church so Paul's trying to fix some things they have Gentiles that are coming to faith and they live in a culture in Ephesus where there are, there's polytheism, many, many gods, worship of a variety of gods, some sacrifices that are kind of weird. And so Paul is trying to pull all this together and really influence them about how they're going to live out this faith amidst this darkness. This is going to feel like our culture when I read this. Ready? Verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. How many of you know that most of us are Gentiles? So, he's not really talking about you and me. He's talking about the Gentiles that lived in Ephesus who had all these different gods. And he's comparing who we are compared to how the world lives. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds. They have hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's the low road. 
That's the road that says it feels good. I'm going to do it. I don't care what someone says. I don't care what someone thinks. This is what my body wants. This is what my body needs. This is what I'm going to give my body. The sad thing is you don't really know the rest of the story until you are caught at the end of that road and suddenly you find yourself in addiction in life-controlling issues, in relationships that have now scarred you and wounded you. And it's very, very difficult to climb back out of that. What does it mean to coast? It's, it's actually really fun. I remember, I remember growing up, when, when I was in seventh grade, um, I had had a job working in a mechanic shop just scraping the grease off the floor, basically, for, for I think it was a 50 cents an hour job. And I'd go there after school, but I saved all my money to buy a new bicycle. And I bought a Schwinn 10-speed. Praise God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, $91. $91, a Schwinn 10-speed. And it was orange. And I loved it. And I put my backpack on. And I'm taken off to school. And we lived on this place up by in Grand Junction called Little Park Court. And Little Park Road is a long, windy road that, that we lived kind of midway up. And so... Man, the first 10 minutes is all downhill. And it was fabulous. I just put that baby in 10th gear, get going, snuggle down, my backpack's on, I'm looking down the road, I'm smiling, I'm happy. There's just one problem with that scenario. Going home, right? And I had to go home every stinking day. And I remember those pushes of going up that hill and up that hill and thinking, why couldn't we have two houses where I could start up here and then end down here? It's not easy to somehow make the decision to go on the high road because the the low road is easy. It's taken by most. The second part in this message is I could take the high road. I want to talk a little bit about what that means. What does it look like to say, okay, if there is a God high road, and I'm not talking about just good works here and being a goody two-shoe. That doesn't do it for me. Jesus paid the price for us to live and walk on the high road. Amen? But it still takes discipline. It still takes willpower. It still takes a decision of your heart and your own free will. If I take the high road, verse 20, look at it. After Paul has said the sin, the pleasure, the lust. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by by lust and by deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Renew your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Not a God, but like God, meaning truly righteous and truly holy because He is abiding in you. What does this actually mean? These are radical statements. Paul, Paul is trying to have this picture created for them that I literally need to throw out this old nature. I grab it by the nap of my neck and I rip it out of me and I say, I no longer am going to be a slave submitted to that fleshly nature. I'm going to put on this new man. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, which means I have to learn to listen differently. I have to learn to discern differently. I have to pay attention to the little voice in my head. Why? Because the low road has been calling me forever. I can think up bad thoughts without even trying. 
But I have to try to think up good thoughts. Weeds grow in my mind without any effort. But good seed and good fruit require discipline and action on our part. Listen, new behavior, new behavior in our lives never comes easy. Just, just look at your neighbor and say, are you listening to this? It's never easy. And, and you, can, you can try and, and you, can, you can try again, but unless you have something that's triggered in your mind that allows you to willfully say, I'm going to trust this discernment moment. See, when it, when it talks about letting the Spirit, putting on this new nature, that has to do with those little moments when I come to those crossroads and I say, here's the low road, here's the high road. And I, I stop, and I catch myself this time, and I go, man, I really want to go down here because that's going to bring some really good temporary satisfaction. That's going to feel really good. Let's say it's eating something you really, really like, but you're on a diet and it's not good for you. Yeah. That's about the worst scenario, right? And you look at that thing and you go, like, I really want that. But I'm, I've been so good for three days. And if I take that, I, but, but they say you have a splurge day, but I did that yesterday. <laughs> right? 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 How many know exactly what I'm talking about right here? So, so you have to make these decisions like, okay, I'm, I'm not, and then, and then the minute I realize I have a choice, everything changes. And I really want you to hear this part because it's discerning the choice. That's the moment when things can change for you in your life. It's not so much even the behavior. You have to learn that moment when you realize I'm making a willful choice. I'm not just, I'm not just this person. No one's going to label. That's just who I am. That's just what I'm going to do. No, it isn't. You can make a choice in that moment to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. I'm taking off that old nature. And I'm letting the Spirit lead me and guide me. And I'm going to do it by, by doing the next thing Paul says, and that's number three in your outline is, let's be honest. Honesty, it, this might be one of the toughest things we hear today because honesty, I mean brutal honesty in our culture today is almost unheard of. People lie about their age, they lie about their name, they have online anonymity, they have, there's so many ways in which people can tell lies, and, and you don't really know if someone's telling the truth. And then they cover lies up with more lies, and they don't remember what they lied about. And all of a sudden, they don't know who they are anymore. It's, it's a scary, it's a long fall. And a lot of people are hitting the bottom because they just haven't walked in truth. So Paul's blunt here. He doesn't like make this nice, like, hey, you guys, we need to think about being truthful. He just says, verse 25, so stop telling lies. I love that. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are parts of the same body. What was happening in Ephesus is people were having a real problem with exaggerating the, the truth. And it wasn't that they were making up untrue stories. It was they were using stories that they already had. Some of it was even like maybe about what God had done. Oh, you wouldn't believe what God did in our home. The sugar bowl is now full and it was empty. Well, their neighbor came and filled it up. So, yeah, it's full, but they made it appear that God filled it up. Well, God did through the neighbor. But you know what I'm saying here? So we can, we can even use the God kind of 
card as a game and not being completely honest. And being brutally honest is necessary. So Paul says, hey, stop exaggerating. If my mom was here, she would tell a story on me. And uh, it's one of my first times to go fishing with my dad. And we came home, and I ran in the house. I'm just a little guy. And I said, Mom, I caught a fish this big. And my dad was standing behind me, and he said, Jerry, how big was that fish? And I said, Mom, it was this big. And my dad said, how big? And I said, it was this big. And my dad said, Jerry, how big was that fish you caught? It was this big. But see, in my mind, I wanted it to be this big. And sometimes that's what we do if we're not careful. We allow our minds to actually believe a lie. And we start to believe in this stuff about us. And we start to believing that we're, we're, never, we're invincible and we're above the law and we're not going to give account to God. And all of a sudden, we're living in this false life. And it's fictitious. It's like a, a character in a novel. And you're going to wake up some morning. And you're going to have nothing that's anchoring you. And your relationships are going to unwind. That's why this stuff really matters. There are three things I want to say about honesty, and I'll move on. Be honest with God, because He already knows. So that's where you start. When you can get used to saying, God, I have this problem. I know you know what it is, but I want to vocalize it to you. I'm being tempted by this and this and this. And I'm, I'm aware of it. So give me the strength. Help me. Then, be honest with others. Find the right people. Now, all this, all this stuff about, you know, brutal honesty, if someone's, if you think they're ugly, you don't walk up to them and say you're ugly. I'm just being honest. Right? There is such a thing as social kindness and grace. But when it comes to the truth, always telling the truth and being honest with others is going to give you solid relationships in your future. And then be, what's the third? Be honest with yourself. If you're honest with God and you're honest with others, then you're capable of being honest with yourself. And, and I don't know that any of us can be totally, brutally honest with ourselves because we don't even know our own hearts. Only God really knows our hearts. But we can be close. And we can keep that effort going. Be honest. And then number four in your outline is, can I refuse to let anger win? Can I refuse to let anger win? It, the irony of this passage is that Paul is dealing with um, sexual sin, lust, depravity, greed, lying, cheating. He's leading all the flesh sins. And then out of nowhere, he pops in this anger issue. And that tells me a lot. It tells me that anger is one of the biggest things that Satan uses in our lives to destroy our future. Now, just follow me on this. Look what it says, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. You know, there's a place in the Bible where it says, be angry without sin. You can be angry. That's not a sin. But you can also have the kind of sin that creates, or kind of anger that becomes sinful when it's eating at you and you're, you're, you're living this. You can be so angry at pollution that you go clean up your neighborhood. That's a, good, that's a good anger. You're doing something about it. But this says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger, most important part, gives a foothold to the devil. What in the world does that mean? It means that anger is something that Satan will use. It can just be a random part of your day 
when someone ticks you off or makes you mad or a long-term friend betrays you and you are angry. And all of a sudden this eats at you and you might over the next two or three days kind of just forget about it. But that seed's been planted. And what happens is if you don't get that out of you, that gives, what's a stronghold? That, a foothold. It's an opportunity. It's an open door. And Satan has now this open door into your life in ways that you didn't even you didn't even think about. You were just angry. But Satan comes in and starts taking that and starts creating bitterness in there. He starts creating resentment in there. And all of a sudden I'm thinking about this and I'm having conversations with myself. And I'm driving down the road and I'm mad. And, and I've met people that are living angry that cannot tell me what they were angry about to begin with. It just got a stronghold in them. And, and that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract you and sneak in and cause you. That's where sarcasm, resentment, hate, um, envy, jealousy, all that stuff comes out of this, this angry spirit. That's why you must shut the door on anger. That's why he even says, listen, to you guys in relationship, marriage, whatever, say it. Say it. Don't let the sun go down. That means don't even sleep on it. Now, there's times when you probably need to think about your words. I get that. But don't let anger control your relationship. And don't let it have a foothold. Number five. As we kind of wind this down, there are two more things that I want to say that I think Paul is saying. And that is, will I live useful? Will I really live useful? Is my life going to matter? As I ask the question, how will I live? Everyone wants to feel useful. Everyone wants to feel like someone could say, Good job. Your life matters to me. Verse 28. Again, he's being very blunt and he's just giving this straight. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to those in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You see what he's doing? He's taking everything that we possibly could do. If my hands are creating evil, let's use my hands to create something good. If my mouth is speaking evil, let's use my mouth for something that can be spoken good as encouragement. So everything he's doing is trying to say, you were going this direction. The other day I I left my house to come to work and I, I forgot my glasses. And I'm, I'm pretty good without my glasses for the most part, but if I have a lot of reading to do, I need them. So I, I thought, I'll just go get them. I'm still in the neighborhood. So I pulled my car over to the side, and I looked in the mirror. Nobody behind me, nobody around me. And I did it. I did a, a what? A U-turn. Now I'm going the other way. I'm going back to my house to get my glasses. It is called a U-turn. And sometimes God wants us to take a U-turn from the path that we're on. But I did think of a funny story that's unrelated to my message in any way. And it it hit me spontaneously uh, in the last service. And it was about a guy that got pulled over by a cop who had made a U-turn. And the cop said, "Uh, didn't you see the sign? You you can't make a a U-turn there. And the guy looked at him kind of confused and he said, no, officer. I was praying. I literally thought, God, I'm going to go straight. And then I looked up and I saw the sign that said, no, you turn. (laughs) Don't even bother emailing me on that one, okay? (laughs) 
What, what happens with a U-turn is it means that I am stopping the direction I am going. I am stopping it. I'm not going that way anymore. And there's some of you here right now, and in the South Auditorium as well, you really need to pray about a U-turn. You really need to think about taking a different road, because if you stay on that road, you're going to end up in trouble. And maybe you've been on it a long time, and God's given you a warning right now, today, in this room. The last thing that I'm wanting to share from my heart is just, how will I live? Will I live with purpose? I want to be useful, that's true, but I also want to have a purpose that's just bigger than myself. And I think you do too. I mean, look at what you did. You already made choices today to get out of bed, to show up here. Why? Because you care about the kingdom of God. You care about being here and and being a learner and growing. And and you're wanting, you're hungry for that. Thank you for that. I love that appetite. It's, It's powerful. Look at verse 30. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So suddenly Paul's saying, this isn't just about you and your choices and what you want. This is about whose name is written on your face and heart and life. His. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's why we are called sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's why we call this our living room, family, church, life, all that. So get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I, I, I see this often, and it, it kind of haunts me. I've never had a job where I had to drive a truck or van or car that has an 800 number on the back that says, How's my driving? That freaks me out. Anyone in here have, have that? work okay a couple of you i'm sorry you know people could just randomly call that number and say you did something bad that you didn't even do i wonder how many calls they get that go this is the best driver i have ever been behind probably zero it's only the bad that is going to be reported so we made some signs on your way out that you're going to put over your head and front and back and it says How am I living? I'm kidding about the signs. How am I living? Because every decision you make, every word that comes out of your mouth, every dollar that you spend, all the decisions you make are a record of how you are living. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't you know that God's name is stamped on your head? Don't you know that we are the people who should be watched by those who are not following Him, and they should say, these guys are really following someone bigger than them. I think of Josh and Sherry. They weren't perfect, and I don't like it when people try to make other people sound perfect, but we have a picture of them. And this, this picture is, it says a lot, because they both smiled, they both were fun, they were funny, Great sense of humor. They were exciting to be around. They always left things better than they found it. And they just invested in other people. And they did everything together. Just all these amazing things. And a week ago today, here just in a few hours, uh, they breathed their last breath. But I want to read to you one of Josh's last posts on Facebook. He wrote this, and I don't think he created it, uh, but he, 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 
he put it on Facebook in the last few hours of his life, not knowing that this would be one of his last posts on Facebook. Listen carefully to what it, what it says. In the blink of an eye, everything can change. So forgive often and love with all your heart. You may never have the chance again. Little did he know that he was in the last few hours of his life. In the blink of an eye, everything can change. So forgive often and love with all your heart. You may never have the chance again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Josh and Sherry. Thank you for Paul's word to the church in Ephesus. It's inspired us today. It's really challenged me. How, how will I live? How will we live? How will we make a mark on this earth, in this space that you've provided for us? Talk to us today. Let your spirit come close. Let it snuggle up close to us and whisper in our ear today, Lord. Comfort, peace, care. You love us so much. It's amazing. Lord, thank you that we're called your sons and daughters. That's amazing. We're grateful. With heads bowed in here, I don't want you to raise your hand to this. I just I think this is just really personal. And I want you to just say it to God and own it. If you know there's some things you need to turn away from in your life right now, and the sweet spirit of God is putting that right in the front of you say well I've tried well keep trying I can't well keep talking about it keep confessing it keep coming to the Lord don't just stop and say I'm just born with this I can't ever change you can change and the spirit can help you but I want to pray over you if you say there's a few things I need to turn away from these things they're not leading me on the high road And I don't want to live with regret about those. Lord, I pray for strength among my brothers and sisters that as they turn from these things, they will find empowerment by the Spirit. Let it surprise them just to acknowledge that they are on this crossroads. How many of you would say, I need to forgive, I'm living angry? Just right where you are, give it to the Lord. God, I bring this to you again. I don't want this to take me down that path. I give it to you. I offer it to you. How will I live? I will not live with this anger. I will not live with this bitterness. I will not live with this pain. I will trust you. And I will give it to you. Maybe you're separated from God completely. And you've walked in here with a friend or alone. You just say, I need need the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer right now that just comes to faith. It means you're going to become a true follower of Jesus. Just say this, Lord, I'm separated from you. I know I am. I'm convicted about my sin and my way of living, and I need forgiveness. And I want to make it right. I believe you died on that cross for me, and there's nothing else I can do except trust you, and I confide in you, and I give you my life and my future. Spend me in the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray all these things in your name.
Amen.